It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Eliminated by a child uh, on this live edition of Locked On Raptors. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1380 of Locked On Raptors for uh, late on your Wednesday, April the 12th. You're probably listening to this if you are a sane person who isn't trying to take in more of that Toronto Raptors loss uh, and are listening to this on Thursday or Friday or sometime in the future down the line. Either way, I'm Sean Woodley. I'm covering the Toronto Raptors now for uh, nine seasons, and I've never seen a game that stupid. I can tell you that there have been plenty of very dumb Toronto Raptors losses in my time. That one just might take the cake. Uh, before we dive into it all, again, a reminder, you can follow the show uh, on the Twitter at Lockdown Raptors, Instagram, Lockdown Raptors. You can join our Discord server, which a lot of people were being very sad in earlier today. That was very fun. The link will be in the, uh, or is in the description of yesterday's episode. Sorry, I forgot to drop it in. I can't do it live over on the show, uh, but the Discord server link, it's on Twitter as well. You can jump on it if you want to get in there while this episode is going on, and if you want to come in there and talk about fake trades and coach firings and all the other stuff we're going to get into as the season gets, uh, or the off season, I suppose, gets rolling here. Uh, <laughs> I apologize for my lack of organization on this one. I had a tidy little rundown set up. The Raptors up by 19 in the third. I go to work putting together all of my takes as to, hey, hey this is so great. Everything's working well. The Raptors are going to be just fine. And uh, no. Best Blade plans destroyed, so we're just going to kind of go off the cuff here and do what we can to bring you as good a reaction to this uh, very stupid loss of the Chicago Bulls as we possibly can. Uh, today's show, by the way, is brought to you by our friends over at eBay Motors, a, champion sh a championship team. The Raptors are not that. It's all about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts to fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit, ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At the end of the show, we will get into uh, your questions. You got the comments, drop in some of your questions and all that stuff. I'm not going to get to them right now. I'm just going to kind of get through my takes uh, now, and then we'll get to your questions in the final segment of the show. I also am going to, uh, on the recommendation of one of the folks in the Discord, open some booze. Hey, there we go. Uh, shout out to beer. Uh, if you have booze as well, cheers. Uh, let's drink to a really, really terrible... Toronto Raptors season and uh, a loss that really kind of sums it all up, man. I, where to start here? Where did it all go wrong? They were up 19 
in the third and things were going swimmingly the raptors offense was working beautifully they were getting every look they wanted the short roll play from Jakob Pertl hitting cutters hitting three-point shooters beautiful the raptors were playing inspired toronto raptors basketball and they were doing it without having to lean too hard on all of their gimmicky stuff right they weren't you know dominating the offensive glass or anything like that they weren't you know destroying the turnover battle they were just playing really sound basketball on both ends of the floor their defense was fantastic forcing a ton of three-point misses by the bulls who would go on to hit more threes than they did (laughs) you know they had two threes i think in the first half or at two of 15 at one point they finished seven to 26 um ultimately where I think this game went wrong. First off, it's uh, with uh, the lovely DR DeRozan, uh, DeMar DeRozan's daughter, who is apparently a wizard and can keep people... Like, imagine Thundersticks had the effect of DR DeRozan when it comes to distracting players from hitting free throws. The Raptors go, you probably know the number by now, 18 of 36 in a do-or-die game in which they were very much in control for most of the time. I thought for a long time, ah, they're missing free throws, but it's not going to come back to bother them. They're hitting threes. The Bulls are not. The Raptors are up 19. That's going to be a fun little thing we think about when we think about this play-in Raptors win is, wow, they did it with all of the free throws being missed, apparently because a child is really, really distracting. Uh, That said, the screaming was uh, pretty deafening. Still, ridiculous. Of course, the free throws came back into matter, and you can't miss 18 free throws in a do-or-die game. I was a fool for thinking the Toronto Raptors, these Toronto Raptors, were just going to roll and go wire to wire and win comfortably. That was stupid. Where this game also turned, third quarter, Zach Levine starts to get that look in his eye. And I was concerned coming into this game, I talked about it, about Zach Levine. Uh, everyday listeners of the podcast will know. Shout out to the everydayers. We love you. Um, I was talking earlier this week about how I was worried about the Fred matchup. That's why I thought Precious Achua could be really important in this game. And shouts to him. He was the best bench player for the Raptors in this one. Not saying much. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. Um, but really, this was Levine kind of going off. And that Fred Van Vliet matchup, Fred just doesn't have the lateral quickness or really size to do much with Levine. If he stays in front of him, Levine can pull up and shoot over him pretty much uncontested. And more often than not, he was getting around him, getting to the rim. And the Raptors didn't have an answer. The thing is, the Raptors do have an answer for a guy like Zach Levine. It's OG Ananobi. And where was OG Ananobi? Not guarding Zach Levine. And to me... That was one of the biggest mistakes, biggest flaws in the game plan here. Yes, DeMar DeRozan did not have himself like a, a dominant game or anything like that. He had 23 points, 10 to 19, pretty solid all told, but like three assists. He didn't get to go and do playmaking hell or anything like that, put the Raptors in playmaking hell. Uh, you know, he had a couple of nice dunks. Great to see for DeMar as well. Always appreciate DeMar's uh, good things that go down for him. I appreciate him, but... When it comes to the defensive assignments, when Zach Levine is torching you for 30 points in the second half, maybe, just maybe, sliding your top five, top ten defender on the planet over to guard said guy who is torching you for 30 points and a half, maybe that would be something to look at. But no, they barely did it at all. Scotty Barnes, to his credit, had a couple possessions where he looked pretty good on Levine. But by the time they made that switch in the fourth, Levine was on one. He was on a total heater that he got to the line 15 times in this game as well. And he hit his free throws. Good for him. 13 to 15. Very difficult to hit free throws, apparently. Uh, But Zach Levine did it. And yeah, man, I I, I just, I, 
I don't understand the not using your best defensive weapon on the other team's best offensive weapon in a do or die game, right? Like I understand in the regular season, if you're Nick Nurse wanting to stick to your principles and you know you're gonna send extra attention to one guy's what uh, one guy and sort of build your game plan around that, you got to be faster. We've seen Nick Nurse be a good on the fly operator within games in the past not the case here just way too late to make any sort of changes and then you get down late in this game and the other big problem here for the raptors another thing i really think costs them is i mean we've been talking about it all season long so this isn't surprising to anybody but nothing nothing from the second unit in this game uh in a game where Jakob purtle was not his best right like he, he i think had some moments certainly he was a big part of the defensive success for the team in the first two and a half quarters but offensively you know the bulls really started to figure out the raptors interior passing in the second half here the the spacing was pretty clunky tons of turnovers um and that wasn't just all the raptors being foolish and sloppy it was the bulls really i think kind of gearing their game plan like oh pascal siakam's destroying us with interior passes the 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 whole raptors operation is interior pass to death we're gonna just send patrick beverly and alex caruso into hawk those passing lanes get into and mix things up and they did that wonderfully tons of turnovers in the second half the raptors 14 turnovers in this game um to just 10 for the chicago bulls you lose a turnover battle you're in trouble if you are the 2023 toronto raptors and all of this led to just a desperate need for some shooting off the bench. And who do you have for shooting off the bench? None other than Gary Trent Jr., a pretty good shooter when he's on one. Many a Gary Trent Jr. heater has saved the Raptors this season. And when he's good, the Raptors are really hard to beat. And like the game on February the 28th, I thought there was some logic. I talked about this again. Again, the everyday listeners know I was talking about the, the February 28th game and the way the Raptors closed that game. They closed without Jakob Pertl. You know, Nikola Vucevic pulls you out a little far. They're still very small. Even around Vuce are the Bulls, so you can probably get away with your small ball former starting five in that situation. And I, I thought it was a decent idea to at least look at Gary Trent Jr. Problem was, this was one of the worst games Gary Trent Jr.'s played as a Raptor. It very well could be his last one. 0-5 from deep, 1-7 from the field. His defense was miserable. He had one possession that stood out, him and Precious Achua forcing a turnover with Pat Williams. But like transition three from Zach Levine late in the game where Gary Trent Jr. is just kind of like, oh, I'm going to just track back here. I'm not so worried about the pull-up three from this guy who pulls up all the time and is just is destroying us from three right now. No, I don't need to worry about this. I can kind of fall asleep. And then you go ahead and you have him knock it in. It's just really, really untenable and so you couldn't close with that spacing shooting heavy lineup you had to have Jakob Pertl in there they made the very quick switch with Gary and it was very instantaneous where they went back and just the lack of stylistic diversity this was another thing I talked about can this team show that their stylistic diversity that they've kind of showed off down the end of the season can be applied to a postseason game a one-off game like this and it could not they had one way to go it was the starters and nothing else and once Zach Levine got that look in his eye and started cooking they were totally totally screwed I'm going to take a sip of alcohol now you should do the same we're going to come back on the other side, get into some other stuff from this game. You know, I, I do want to give some flowers to Pascal Siakam. I know he missed a couple of massive free throws at the end of the game, but everyone was missing free throws. You can't blame him entirely for that. He at least put in a really excellent effort elsewhere on the floor, 32-9-6. We'll talk about Pascal. We'll talk about where things went wrong elsewhere with this game, and then I'll get into some of your questions from the chat. We'll do that in just a sec. But first... 
I do have to tell you about our friends over at eBay Motors, who uh, are the place to go if you're looking for car parts, baby. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. The Raptors have lots to do and work on in this department. There is no doubt it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors with eBay guaranteed fit you can be sure every single thing that you need fits right the first time around just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know if the part will fit or your money back because just like in sports confidence is the name of the game when you shop on ebay motors and with over 122 million parts to choose from you'll be back in the game in no time after all it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed and when you hit your free throws (laughs) get to get the right parts the right fit and the right prices on ebaymotors.com let's ride l eligible items only exclusions apply excuse me while i go take my ebay motors part fitted car and drive it into the sea this is jake from locked on locked on has teamed up with state farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in nba history after beating the heat led by lebron james and Dwayne wade in 2011 dirk nowitzki won an nba title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time but there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, let's uh, continue on here. Kind of just riffing, doing what I can to make sense of whatever the hell that was that just happened. I, I mean, Pascal Siakam... Credit to him, man. He he had himself a game. He was cooking from the mid-range. He hit a three early on. That was massive. He had six assists. The interior passing from him was awesome. Uh, they needed more from everybody else. You know, even Fred Van Vliet, really good game. Eight of 22 overall from the field. He was seven of 13 from deep. You do the math, that's one of nine from two-point range. Not good enough. Uh, again, credit to the Bulls. They're collapsing defense. All very good. But, man, just... <sighs> It's not enough. You got four players who really kind of did their thing in this game. I I should also say, like, this was not the Banner OG Ananobi defensive game, right? This just really was not. He's been so bloody good all season long. You're going to have off nights. He didn't contain DeMar the way he has all season long. DeMar had averaged 14 points a game. The stat I had coming in is the Bulls had scored 101 possessions on the 118 possessions, or sorry, 101 points on the 118 possessions that OG had guarded DeMar this season. Uh, That did not, I don't have the advanced numbers in front of me at the moment, but that did not play out in this game. DeMar had a bit of an easier time. And then you throw in the Zach Levine thing. Again, that's not OG's fault that he didn't get that assignment. It, that's Nick Nurse, 100%. Um, but man, just, it's so 
The thing that really peeves me about this one is that the first, this is the microcosm of the season. When they look good, they look fantastic. They look like they can beat anybody. And that's what they looked like for the first two and a half quarters of this game. They were up 19, they're bombing threes, the, the, the ball movement was brilliant, the defense was absolutely on the string and totally locked in, uh, Zach Levine wasn't getting off, none of it. And then it just falls apart and you get the two far ranges of what this Raptors team can be. There's nothing in the middle. The 500 team, that is not 500 ever. They're either a 55-win team or a 27-win team. Like, it really is so baffling. And to me, that is just... It's inexcusable, man. Like, I, I try to not lose my mind too much. And ultimately, like, it's the play-in. These things, this was not going the distance. They were not going to go make some surprising run and beat Milwaukee. I have talked a lot about how I don't think this game or the play-in, or even if they got to the playoffs, the results there would necessarily have much bearing on my view of the team going into the offseason. I think the last 26 games, far more telling as to what's worth keeping, what's worth taking a look at in, in terms of changing. Um, but it just to have all of the problems rear their ugly heads once again in this game, the inconsistency of effort, the um, just the, the, the falling up. Like, you figured out the formula. It's working, and then they just abandoned it. It's just, ooh, more, more, more alcohol. How about that? Mm. Shout out to uh, Muskoka Brewing. Um, look, I, I think this is. I think there's going to be. I know some of the people in the comments are kind of already jumping in on this. I do want to talk about the Siakam and Fred thing, just because they're not the reasons the Raptors lost this game. They're really not. And if you think that they are. I feel like you're kind of pushing uh, like kind of a reductive look at like, like the team and the way it's built and all of that. Um, you know, those two guys and Scotty Barnes were really the three dudes who showed up in this one. 19 points, 10 boards, two assists, two steals for Scotty Barnes. Um, you know, it, it's those three guys were good. There's just nothing else from, from the rest of the roster. I, I, I don't know. What you're supposed to do about that if you're Pascal Siakam or Fred Van Vliet, what more could they have done except for hit a couple more free throws, really? Like, and ultimately, it, <laughs> just like, the, I, I don't know, man. The, the free throw thing is just so baffling to me. I, I can't really even wrap my head around it. Was it all DR DeRozan that caused it? Was it jitters? Was it like, I can't imagine it was jitters. I can't imagine it was uh, like a, 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 a uncomfortability with the pressure. Like Pascal Siakam's been to an NBA Finals before, done just fine. Fred Van Vliet been to an NBA Finals before, done just fine. I'm not putting this onto like some sort of feeble, meek-willed team or anything like that. It's just weird, dumb basketball stuff. The problem is you put yourself in the position where dumb basketball stuff happens all the time in a one-off basketball game because that's what basketball is all about. And this goes to sort of bigger structural problems with the team, right? This goes to the total lack of anything in terms of depth, total lack of three-point shooting on the team, total lack of different ways to play. This is not on Pascal and Fred. This is on all of the sort of structural issues with this team. And we're going to start looking at the the changes that are going to come, right? There's going to be a lot. There's going to be, um, you know, I, I don't know what those changes are going to look like. I would assume just based on all the noise and the comments and just the vibe around Nick Nurse that that might be a decision we get word on maybe sooner than later, honestly. Like, that that just feels untenable. Maybe that's just the big move. You couple that with you have a first-round pick. By the way, you lose this game 
the first round picks a little better for the pick people out there. They're going to have at least a ball or two in the Wemby stakes. That's fun, I suppose. We can get weird on, on, on lotto night and hope not only the Raptors jump up, but they jump up and knock the Mavericks down so they lose their pick, which is also just hilarious. That, that, that's a, a fun thing that can happen now. I think they could pick as high as 11th, as low as 13th at this point. So, um, you know, th- th- there's that sort of, I suppose, silver lining. You get that guy, whoever you draft it with that pick, you, you bring in. Hopefully you get an Otto Porter Jr. back. I mean, maybe that's just like a lost dream hoping for Otto Porter Jr. and his toe to be reunited. Um, but, you know, I, I think the Raptors are going to bank on that. He's making $6 million bucks. He would be such a massive addition to this bench. Can you imagine closing this game tonight with Otto Porter Jr. instead of Gary Trent Jr.? I'm going to drive myself crazy over the Otto Porter Jr. injury this season for the rest of time. Um, it just... All of the things that really, really burned this team came back to rear their ugly head. Um, you know, the three-point shooting was good. Give them that. 11 to 31. That's great. They started off way hotter than they finished, and that is kind of the, the deal. Two of seven from OG, just not enough when you're getting also an 0 of five from Trent. Fred did his best, man. Fred did everything he could in this one. Two assists shy of a triple-double. Um, you know, you can't really hang this one on Fred whatsoever. It's just all of the deep structural problems that we've seen all season long And look, I've held off on judging the full extent of the trade deadline and what the Raptors did there until we see whether the Raptors can thread the needle this offseason or not. Um, I I think, you know, that that, that's it's an incomplete right now as to what the offseason is going to look like tied to the I think the trade deadline felt like the start of the offseason more than anything else um shout out to the bill the, the bulls fans who were jumping into the comments i'm very happy for you i i'm the demar kyle game is going to be a blast i don't i think i'm probably rooting for kyle in that one but I, you know i'm happy with either outcome probably um shout out to the bulls fans hope you're happy uh i'm not this <laughs> is stupid um but anyway, I feel like I'm losing my track. The, the, the offseason, there's going to be a lot to be sorted out. Uh, and, you know, I think now we will start to give you the, uh, the prompts to send your questions in. I got the comments up here. I'm going to take a quick break, give you a little word on our friends over at FanDuel. And then on the other side, we'll dig into your questions. Let it all out, man. Have some booze. I'm going to have some more booze right now before I go into the break. Hmm. Shout out Muskoka Brewing, doing a great job helping us through the night. Um, But yeah, get your questions ready. I'm going to come back and take them on the other side, and we will uh, round it out with those as, again, my head is still spinning. I I can't believe that happened. Um, Pat Bev MVP, sure, Uh, (laughs) you could say that. I might go Zach Levine over Pat Bev, but Pat Bev is the the king of the the play-in. I guess we have to just bow to the king. Uh, Anyway. We'll come back on the other side, get your questions first. Let me tell you about FanDuel, the number one sports book in America. Maybe you were smart tonight, and you went ahead and bet against the Raptors for the happiness hedge, and you're sitting there not so sad because you're winning some money. Either way, right now is a wonderful time to download FanDuel and get on in there. Not to mention, the Raptors season's over, but the Blue Jays are really good, and baseball season is in full swing, and MLB action's a great thing to go and download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to go get involved with. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash on. Sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash on to sign up. FanDuel, 
official partner of Major League Baseball and the place where you can go and bet on who the next Raptors coach is going to be when Nick Nurse is eventually shown the door. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, All right, let's continue on and uh, round out the show with your questions. We got questions. Here is Blue Steel from the Discord, by the way. Join Blue Steel in the Discord. Uh, if it's, it's a fun time. Uh, but yeah question from blue steel on a scale of one of one pain one to pain i'm gonna go one to ten for uh, clarity's sake how painful was this pain i mean season uh confusing question i think it got to the, the point look i don't think this season maybe i'm wrong I, this season kind of stunk right like i I tend to have a bit of a sunnier disposition. I know that's kind of the character I've built on the show. I'm the happy-go-lucky, everything-is-fine guy. Um, but yeah, this season was a letdown in a lot of ways. I, I do think what we saw after the Jakob Pirtle trade was genuinely encouraging. They finished the season, what was it, 18-12, and 12, something like that. They, they, they were 23-30 and 30 at one point. To get back to 500... It's pretty impressive considering the, the the hole they were in. And, and like, look, it's this is grasping at straws for any sort of happiness and joy right now. Uh, this season was hella disappointing. On 1 to 10, um, you know, this is not the Chris Bosh departure season. That season probably goes down as the worst Raptors season of my lifetime. The Hito Turgaloo uh, signing going awry immediately as he was fatigued in training camp and just, like, never, ever bought in. Uh, Chris Bosh gets injured and leaves, and it's all just bad from there. That, for me, is still probably the worst Raptor season I can recall. I do think 2014-15 was really bad. I don't think we sort of re- remember that as such a bad season because it started so well. They were like 23-7 and early on. Then DeMar gets hurt. Then Kyle burns himself out, filling in for DeMar. Then they go into the playoffs totally limping and get swept by the Wizards. I would say that season probably hurts more than this one. Um but yeah, this one's not too far off from 2014-15, I'd say. I'll go like a, a seven and a half on the pain scale. Maybe an eight when you factor in uh, the fact that they lost to a child screaming at them. Uh, <laughs> God. Uh, more questions. This one also comes from Kelvin, I believe also from the Discord. Jump in the Discord, would you? Not exactly a question, but why is the bench so god-awful? The bench is uh, bad for a few reasons. One... I think there still needs to be a little bit of development time for some of these guys. Like Precious Achua, I think it was maybe a wrong decision to come into the year thinking, hey, like he's going to be ready right away. Perhaps it was a little bit of fool's gold buying into the back part of last season. And I should probably listen to my own thoughts here because I am usually pretty skeptical uh, when like a guy goes and has like an individual sort of here late in a season, you know, I think Precious's last year felt more real than say Freddie Gillespie or Ken, Ken Birch or Malachi Flynn back in the Tampa season. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, 
it was maybe too early to sort of pencil in Precious as like a surefire bet to be a very good rotation player. I'm still high on Precious. I think his defense is so bloody good that it doesn't matter. Like, I, I, I think, um, you know, not that it doesn't matter, but like his defense is so good that his offense doesn't have to be incredible for him to be out there. And I thought he was effective tonight in his very limited time, but I think there was maybe too much hanging on Precious Achua being like a guy. That That's part of it. And this is the front offices. This was the bet they made, right? Going into the offseason, it was... We're going to bet on internal growth. We don't need to do too much to tinker with this team. We won 48 games. Leave well enough alone. We're not in a rush. We got a, a 20-year-old Scotty Barnes, now 21. And let's just see what happens in the offseason here. Let's see what happens with a summer of development and roll from there. They realized midway through the season, over midway through the season, that uh, their their bet was wrong and they needed to go get Jakob Pertle because having a center is valuable. Um, but yeah, I, I think the precious hype was a little high. I think, obviously, you know, just the sort of in and out nature of Gary Trent Jr. with the bench. I think had the the season, had you, had you played a whole year with Gary Trent Jr. as your sixth man, I feel like he would have been really effective. And we shouldn't let this game cloud the fact that Gary Trent Jr., for the most part this season, was very effective. He bought in. He played off the bench. He got reamed out by Nick Nurse early in the season and really kind of got it together. Um, it was a good Gary Trent Jr. season that ends on the most sour possible note. Uh, you bring in Will Barton, and I think like that it just didn't work. You know, Malachi Flynn has never been a good player. Um, I, I think you know the the Thad Young thing didn't work for sure. I think Christian Coloco's a year or two away. It's just it's a it's a it's a thing where a lot of talent drain from the title team, and, and that's just part of it. That's the price you pay to win a championship, and I'll pay that price a thousand times out of a thousand. Uh, but you factor that with. Drafting Malachi Flynn over Desmond Bain, small little draft losses, things like that. Um, and I think it's just uh, that it compiles. I think the bench not being good enough to support the very good starters, all the numbers suggest the starters were excellent at all times this season, essentially. Uh, maybe not when they were rolling small, but even then, like Pascal, always very good driving positive play. Same with OG, same with Scotty, same with Fred. Those guys drove positive play. Yak drove positive play incredibly well. Um, you know, they just didn't have enough support. And you can't get through an 82-game season in playoffs with five or six good players every night. You just can't. Um, as far as the bench going in the, in the, into the future, like, again, the development from Coloco, I'm pretty high on Coloco. I think Achua will be a year older, year more refined, hopefully next season as well. Uh, we'll see with Gary Trent Jr. whether he's back or not. Um, again, I mentioned Otto. Like, I think there's a way to reconstruct this bench kind of on the fly here, but... They didn't have the time to do it this year, and that really, really cost them. Uh, another question here from Gorbush asking, did anyone even make significant progress this season? That's a good question. I think, on the whole, Scotty Barnes was better this season than I think he maybe gets credit for. He was asked to play a lot of different roles, wear a lot of different hats, and he eventually excelled in basically all of them. It just took time, right? There was the lull after the Yak trade where he kind of looked at a place back on the wing after finding his role as the role man, essentially, during January. It was his best month of the season. I think his defense took some pretty significant strides as well this season. I would say this was, on the whole, a positive season of growth for Scotty. I also think this was like incredible OG stuff all year long. The last game, not so much, but this was a really great OG season. He turned into an absolute... I mean, we already knew he was an absolute demon defensively, but like those, the world seems to know it now. You throw in just sort of, I think, cutting out some of the uglier stuff in his game, really amplifying the stuff he does well. I think OG did a really good job this season and really took some steps. And, and you know, I think Pascal incrementally improved as well, right? Like the 
the the mid-range game from him this season was outstanding like it was really really uh like a a revelation for him you you have um hopefully some more growth from him three-point wise but his playmaking is still rock solid don't forget the start of this season Pascal Siakam was one of the 10 best players in basketball by every metric you look at for the first uh, little while he got hurt obviously but came back and was really excellent it's just it, it never quite all came together the way it did at the very start of the season for him but I don't think that's Pascal's fault again it's just not enough dudes on the team to support I uh but yeah as far as other significant progress I think that's probably it right like Fred was kind of a similar player to what he was on the whole over the last couple seasons he's basically kind of established what he is right 24 and 7 on 36 percent three-point shooting a bit of a drop with his shooting this year but it bounced back by the end of the season um and we can't really speak on Yak because like Yak just walked in a new player from what he was when he was in Toronto if you've been watching him with the Spurs you'd realize oh yeah Yak Pirtle he's a really really good player um, so yeah, I would say the guys who matter most, they did improve. Like, and I think that's important to think about here. OG, Pascal, Scotty, those are the three guys who made the biggest strides and improved the most, added the most to their games. Those are the three guys plus Fred plus Yak that I think you're going into next season with. Um, next question here. Let's get to, uh, Dan B potential trades question marks. Um, Look, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about this stuff. I think trades, it might be a little underwhelming if you're looking for big blockbuster deals this offseason. They don't have their pick next year. That's going to be a problem for them in terms of like loading up for a big star trade. Uh, I, I think the most likely trade, honestly, is a Chris Boucher deal that kind of balances the bench a little bit to kind of go back to the earlier question of the bench. Um, I I think the sort of overlap of him and Precious, plus you add in Coloco, I wonder if you flip Boucher, bring in um, someone uh, who is a little bit more of a better fit, like a guard type, that would be awesome. Maybe someone who can even shoot a three-pointer. Wouldn't that be swell? Um, But yeah, I I think um, it's... uh, it's going to be a light season, off season for trades, I think. It might be a sign and trade with one of the pending UFAs, I suppose, but I don't know if we're going to see any sort of big time deals. I thought OG maybe at the draft would be a guy you look at moving, but he was so bloody good down the stretch. He fits so well with Yak and Scotty and Fred and, and Pascal. Like that lineup was so good. I think you're probably rolling with that lineup as you're starting five next season and hoping Scotty Barnes takes the leap uh, that he has shown he's very capable of eventually doing. He does all the flashes are bloody incredible. Um, but I, I think you're not going to be looking at big time trades necessarily. I think it's going to be addressing the bench and probably a coaching change. Maybe even some front office stuff. I don't even know there. But um, I think Nick Nurse is, is probably the most guaranteed big sweeping change we're going to see. A couple questions regarding development. I like these questions. And we'll probably wrap it on these unless like a couple more good ones come in here. Apologies to those who I missed in the... It's kind of a fast-rolling chat here. Um, but so Duncan, Sist- Duncan Simpson, do you think their development developmental hubris the Raptors have warranted uh, have is warranted based on since the sorry I'm having a hard time reading this question out uh essentially this question ties into the depletion of the bench mob is it tied to developmental hubris by the Raptors uh I do think part of it is thinking hey we can just draft six nine guys who can't shoot and teach them to shoot and be skilled basketball players like we've seen with Delano Banton you can't just do that like it's a hard thing to just teach guys how to be more skilled um and, and I think that is certainly a part of why we've seen this talent drop off the depth drop off like I said I think the issues with the um you know with with, with the problems with with, um uh just like talent drain after the, the 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 championship that's part of it too um but yeah just uh 
I don't know. You throw in as well the other question here from Devin Turner. Do you think the connection with the 905 has diminished? Would that explain the development issues too? I think a little bit. I, I think, you know, you have different coaches cycle in there. You know, maybe some are better than others. I can't speak to who are better than whom. Um, I think the lack of talent kind of going down there is probably a big part of it as well. It really seems like it all kind of fractured during that COVID season where they're in Tampa and they have like a 10 game G league showcase. There's not really a connection there. Um, it, it, you know, it could be that they just need to get better players down there, but yeah, it does feel like there's been a bit of a, a sort of separation of uh, 905 and, and the Raptors. And I would like to see that connection sort of reestablished. We'll see. Um, that's a good question. But uh, this other question here, a couple more we'll run through because why not? Um, ESPS, uh, sorry, that, I'll get to ESP's question. That'll be my last one. I'll ask, I'll answer Joshua Jays here first. What does Scotty taking the leap mean for this team? Him being the number one option, can that happen behind Fred and Siakam? Yes, I think that can happen behind Fred and Siakam. Does it happen next year? I don't know, but I think you start to hand the keys over slowly to Scotty. We saw it this year, like those three guys, as far as just like touches per game, Fred led because he's a point guard, point guards have lots of touches, but Scotty and Pascal were not far off in terms of total touches per game and their involvement in what the Raptors were doing, specifically after the Yaka Pirtle trade. Those three guys were the hubs of the offense. And here's the thing, you got to have more than one guy who can create offense for you. You got to have multiple ways that you can create. And I think having Fred, Scotty, and Pascal is a pretty good spot to be. And it gets way better if Scotty just does take that leap. Here's the thing Pascal Siakam, incredible. He is probably not the best player on a championship team. I don't think I'm, I don't think that's a hot take. I think I've said it a million times on this show. The everydayers will know. Um, it's, it's just. It's just the reality. There are seven to ten players in the league who are the best player on a championship team who can be that, and Pascal's not one of them. That's perfectly fine. Just because you don't have the number one guy doesn't mean you just ship off the number two guy into the sun because you don't have the number one guy yet. I think Scotty Barnes, once he takes that jump, that it kind of reestablishes the hierarchy, right? I think there's this strange sort of assumption that Scotty, uh, you know, can't coexist with Fred and Pascal. I just don't think that's right. I, I think what we saw this year was Fred and Pascal rightfully not just handing the whole thing over to a 21 year old who is not perfect, has a lot of consistency issues, tries only in the fourth quarter on some nights, all of that stuff. Um, I think Scotty will get more consistent. I think he'll get more reliable and dependable. And as that happens, he doesn't need Fred and Pascal's permission to take games over because when he decides to, it all just kind of happens and everything flows through him because that's the kind of force Scotty Barnes can be. And I think Pascal and Fred can play wonderfully off that. I think Pascal and Scotty, the fit there is so slept on. The way that they work off of one another, the interior passing, that, you know, we saw tonight like a gorgeous dribble handoff with the two that led to a Scotty dunk or a Scotty layup, just like a straight line drive. Those two guys put a lot of pressure on defenses. I think obviously. The shooting's got an uptick. You really, really need uh, Pascal probably to really kind of hone in and, and be a, become a reliable three-point shooter the way he was for stretches of this year. Um, but, you know, those two guys can fit. Fred, we'll see. He's a free agent, obviously. But I warn you against wanting to just ship him off and not bring, or not bring him back. You're going to need point guard play, man. That's just what good basketball teams have is good point guard play, good guard play, good pull-up shooting, all of that. Fred brings a lot of stuff to this team that they have nowhere else. You'll create a lot more holes if you don't have him or someone like him on this team next year. So unless there's an upgrade out there to be had, 
I think Fred is, has got to be back. And I think those three guys, yeah, there's a good team you can build there. Can you build a championship team with that? Maybe not. But can you build a good enough team that you're in the conversation every year, one move away from becoming legit? 100% you can. Um, let's uh, get wait, one more question here. Yes, that's it. ESP, we will close on this question. It kind of feels like we switched to a more conventional offense this season, and the bench just couldn't fit it. Guys like Gary, Boucher, and Precious benefited a lot from the chaotic style of play. I would agree. After Yak arrived, they got a lot more traditional with the way they played de- uh, played offense. And you know, I think Gary can fit in that because Gary, I-, I think, did a good job of kind of not being too much of a uh, sort of commandeering force in the offense. Like he kind of just did his own thing and he you know he, he did his catch and shoot stuff he stepped in when when he would r- be run off the line hit his mid-range jumpers that type of stuff but he didn't like take over unnecessarily more often than not um when it came to Boucher and Precious I do wonder if there's maybe just a little too much overlap with those guys and that's why I look at Boucher maybe being a guy who moved this offseason for a sort of need for need trade with somewhere with, with another team um a guy I've thrown out there is TJ McConnell with the Pacers if you could do like a Boucher McConnell swap just kind of balance the bench a little bit maybe that that's a way to look at it either way um yeah I, I think just traditional offense conventional offense requires three-point shooting the Raptors didn't have enough of that you know precious shot 25 percent Boucher shot okay for stretches he was not terribly reliable start to finish he had hot pockets of the year Gary I think had a pretty reliable three-point shooting season but yeah in a modern NBA offense you got to be able to shoot and you know you got to have multiple guys who can do it not just three guys in your whole roster who you can really lean on for it and that again was one of the big downfalls of this team uh and we'll I'll leave on this it's a comment uh Masai and Webster need a lot of blame Fred is far too shelf Fred is far too selfish it was Fred and Pascal show all year Nothing or no one developed. I don't agree that no one developed. I don't agree it was just the Fred and Pascal show. Scotty Barnes, again, if he had had the, if he had decided to take over and just sort of, uh, you know, forced his will on more games, it would have been more Scotty tilted. Like that's just the way it happens with Scotty Barnes because he is a force, and when he decides to take over a game, he just does. Um, and. I think, yeah, Masai and Bobby, for sure. There's a lot of blame to be laid at their feet. I think this offseason is going to be massive as far as the sentiment around them. They haven't finished their their job that they started at the deadline. Like, there's three pending UFAs. There's a needle to thread here. They thread it, and there's a better team showing up on the other side. Great. If not, then it's a disaster, and some serious questions got to be asked. We'll know the answer to that in the next couple of months here. With that... I'm out of breath. I need to drink more beer. We're going to leave it there. I'm getting sweaty. You're seeing my glistening on the on the, on the the screen here. Thank you so much, everybody who tuned in. Loved all the comments. Again, uh, please join the Discord server. I will update this. So I'm going to post this video as a fresh video in the morning with all the links and everything, the Discord and all that stuff. We'll be doing pods all throughout the offseason and everything like that, all the way through to free agency daily, every day until like mid-July. So uh, keep with the podcast. Thank you for those. Thanks to those of you who tuned in. And sort of a personal note to close things out. This was a different season for me. Uh, This is my first year in seven seasons, not being credentialed to cover the team. And this podcast, it's really like, it's the way I stay connected. It's the way 
I feel like I'm in the loop and I cannot thank enough all the people who have listened, supported, joined the discords, whether you're an everyday listener, whether you're a once a month listener, whether this is your first episode ever. Um, really, really thank you. A- and it's uh, this is my favorite thing that I do. There's a reason that I've done 1300 episodes of this podcast talking about a basketball team. Um, there'll be plenty more to come, of course. But uh, yeah, this was a weird season for me, not being in the building for the first time in a long time, not writing anymore. And uh, I'm just so thankful the podcast gave me this outlet and that all of you for some reason decided to listen all right we're gonna leave it there thank you so much and uh again i feel like i'm saying goodbye i'll be talking to you on friday and uh i'm sure we'll be angsty and mad and all that stuff all over again dr DeRozan, 18 of 36 huh all right we'll leave it there thanks so much for tuning in uh subscribe follow rate review all that good stuff and uh thanks for hanging have a good night bye-bye Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.